Welcome to the Bushy Baller Brand Podcast. We want to remind you that this is recorded over Zoom, so some of the audio may sound muffled at times. We do appreciate the support and you sticking with us. Now cue the instrumental music. Welcome into the Bushy Baller Brand Podcast. I am once again joined by David Shane. Uh, we got a great show ahead for you guys here today. Uh, Masters week, David, by the way. Tiger Woods looking good. I don't know if you've been watching any of the Masters. I've been watching a ton, but from what I've seen, Tiger Woods is looking good. Yeah, Masters. forget Tiger Woods. You see that John, John Ram skipped his shot across the water like three times and got a hole-in-one. Too bad it was practice. I did see that. If he's, if he's able to pull that off in the, in the real thing, I mean, might as well give it to him right there. I mean, come on. Yeah, when I first saw it, I thought I, I didn't know it was practice, and then I figured out it was just a practice shot. I was like, "Oh, that's so that's so unfortunate." That could be like the greatest shot of all time. Yeah, I mean, I I for one would love to see Tiger Woods win it. I'm pretty he won it last year if I remember correctly. So it'd be back to back. It'd be impressive. Yeah. But anyway, the Masters is not what we have on on par for this show today. For you, we got. We're about halfway through the NFL season, you know, give or take. There's been some teams' records are thrown off because of either bye weeks and or COVID reasons. So Dave and I are going to give you guys our midseason NFL MVP and Super Bowl picks, followed by we're going to break down the Saints-Buccaneers game. It was quite an uneventful one, if you ask me. There's a lot to take from the game, but it was definitely uneventful in terms of scoring. And Russell Westbrook just today said that he wants out of Houston – We'll hit that, and then we'll finish off the show with my best bets for the weekend, which, by the way, I did go 3-0 last weekend, so you might want to listen up for this week. But let's start off halfway through the season, like I said, for the NFL. Uh, I'll start off. I'll give you my NFL MVP. Uh, David, I'll go to you. You give me your MVP, and then we'll swap Super Bowl picks as well. For me, personally, I did my research. I was looking up different things, statistics, all that. You know I love to throw out the stats. At this point in the season – I mean, I'm all in on Josh Allen. I'm all in on the way he's been able to play, the way that I've seen him perform. He's my fantasy quarterback. My fantasy team's not the greatest, but he's been doing his best to hold it afloat. So far this year, close to 2,600 yards, 19 touchdowns, five picks, with 240 rushing yards and five rushing touchdowns, leading the Bills to a 7-2 and two record. He's been playing really, really well. I think in the AFC, he's probably – the quarterback that you could compete the most in my opinion with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs I think that the Bills are a solid team overall but I just I really like Josh Allen I really love the way that he's been able to play he had a couple of tough losses to Tennessee and the Chiefs earlier in the year and I'll get to that later but overall I just the way that I've been watching Josh Allen perform and the way that I've been watching him play uh, pan out and all that I think that Josh Allen for me personally he's my mid-season mid-season MVP pick. And again, David and I did not discuss these picks uh, before the show. So if he has the same pick, this wasn't planned. We just would have happened to do it. But who's your midseason MVP, David, so far halfway through the year? Well, you have the the interesting pick, Josh Allen. I wasn't expecting you to go there, although he has had a great season. Uh, after all he's been through with everyone saying he's inaccurate, he can't do this, he can't do that. Well, he can't, he's come out and had a really great season. My uh, MVP pick is a little is a little more boring, and I'm just going to go with the man Patrick Mahomes as my as my guy. And it's actually kind of funny because you've been asking me a week or two ago. I might have said Russell Wilson, and I think that was kind of the narrative at the start of the season when he was playing so well. Metcalf and Locker were playing really well. P. 
Pete Carroll's having to do the ball a lot more. But we have seen him have some more shaky games. Um, whereas Mahomes, uh, who's going to be my MVP pick, has been quietly, I, I feel like, I, like he, he's, he obviously, he's obviously been really good, but due to some of the competition he's faced, as like the Jets and some other teams, I feel like he's kind of flown under the, re- the radar recently. But he's put together a string of really good games, and he's actually had a historic season. Um, he has 25 touchdown passes and one touchdown, which is the best ratio through nine games in NFL history. Um, so he has quietly just been throwing three touchdowns a week. Um, he's doing it. Tyree Kill's looking really good. Travis Kelsey is, is looking really good. Um, offense is starting to click. Um, and I think that, I mean, he's halfway through the year. He has 25 touchdown passes. We know 50 is like that big number. If you get to 50, that's a real historic season. And I think he might be able to get there this season. I think that would solidify him as the MVP. Yeah, 50, 50 touchdown season would sure be one for the history books. It'd be, you know, I don't think the thing with Patrick Mahomes is I don't think that that's out of the question. I know that we're about halfway through and he's at 25. So he's sort of on pace to get to that number. The thing that I think is interesting about Patrick Mahomes like you said, is with how good he is, it's funny to say that he's been quietly dominating. I mean, he got the big contract in the offseason. He's been playing really well overall. But I just think it's it's funny when you think about Patrick Mahomes, I haven't really heard his – like the past two to three weeks, like you said, I haven't really heard on different radio shows or TV shows the name Patrick Mahomes, yet he's right up there for MVP talks. I do think that if there was a matchup between Josh Allen and – Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, then that thing could be electric. I mean, we could be talking historically high numbers in terms of yards if that were to be a matchup. But, yeah, the Patrick Mahomes pick is definitely one that I could see happening. I don't think that as long as he's in the league, I think he's going to be in that MVP race almost every year if he's staying healthy. So there's no argument against that. I do like your point about Russell Wilson that a couple weeks ago people were saying he's the MVP. Russell Wilson has been that guy but he's kind of tampered off a bit recently and kind of pushed him out, uh, been pushed out of the MVP talks. So for you, David, if Josh Allen kind of, you know, give me your thoughts overall on Josh Allen, because he's my midseason MVP pick. So I'm just kind of interested if you do see a path for Josh Allen to almost, you know, win MVP and do really well. Like, is do you think it's out of the question? No, I don't think it's out of the question. He certainly had a great year. The Bills are going to be – I mean, if they can if they can win the division and go 12, 13 wins, they're going to be a good team. They're going to look at who led that team. It's Josh Allen. Um, He has – Mahomes is only doing outdoing him in yards by, by, I think, less than 100. He's not outdoing him in the yards uh, very much. He, he's definitely doing better than the touchdown interception ratio. But for me, the key to Josh Allen is the rushing because, you know, with all these dual-threat quarterbacks – um, it, it's really something you can do to prove yourself as a QB that you, you can you can uh, do it running and passing. And he has those five rushing TDs. If he can get to like 10, I mean, Cam Newton number to get to the 10 rushing touchdowns. So if he if he can continue to do well passing the ball and add in that rushing, I think that rushing, say he rushes for eight, nine, 10 touchdowns, I think that can separate him from the pack and give him the MVP. But right now I, I'd probably like Mahomes and Russell Wilson and maybe Rodgers above him. Yeah, and the rushing thing is something that, it almost seems like as we get farther and farther into the years, uh, the rushing QBs are something that are coming more and more available, more and more when you talk about quarterbacks. And I don't want to say that they need a rushing game because you got guys 
like Breeze and Brady, who we'll talk about shortly here. But the rushing game is definitely something that can elevate the quarterback because right now he, Josh Allen is at 19 passing touchdowns and five rushing touchdowns. Just say that he reaches the 10 rushing touchdowns and he throws for 30, so he only throws 10 more the rest of the year. That's 40 combined touchdowns that you're accounted for, which is, in all honesty, that's an impressive number to reach 40 combined touchdowns for a quarterback either way. Yeah, it's definitely possible for him to do it, but he's, he's going to have to have a really strong uh, second part of the year. Oh, no doubt. And with that, I mean, I'll keep on the topic of the Bills. We're going to move on to the Super Bowl picks, and I don't think it's any question. He's my MVP pick, so I'll stick with his team. For the Super Bowl, I like the Bills, honestly, to come out of the AFC. I think that they're a team – they lost to the Chiefs earlier this year, but I think that they're the one team in the AFC – that really, because of the quarterback, can keep up with the Chiefs and continue to compete with them. And I think that in a playoff game, I understand it's Patrick Mahomes, but I really do think in a playoff game, the Bills can be right there with them. And I'm going to pick them to reach the Super Bowl for the AFC. And out of the NFC, I got to be honest, I'm just I'm loving the Packers. The more that I watch them, the more that I'm seeing Rodgers play and guys like Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, I just – I'm really liking the Packers out of the NFC. I'm not seeing too many teams that are going to be able to play up to their level in the playoffs. Cause like we said, the Seahawks are always there with Russell Wilson. The Seahawks are always going to be in that talk, but man, that defense is bad. I mean, Josh Allen tore him to shreds last week. And again, he's my MVP pick, but still he tore him to shreds and you can't make a Super Bowl with a defense as bad as the Seahawks. So for me, halfway through the season, my Super Bowl pick is going to be the Bills Packers. I'm interested to hear where you're standing in terms of Super Bowl pick. Yeah, so just like you in the AFC, I'm going to go with the team that I have their quarterback winning MVP, and that's the Chiefs. And we've had discussions about the Chiefs before, and I've said, uh, I've said, like I think two weeks ago it was that I think the Chiefs are just in their own tier, and you have a bunch of other teams like the Bills who are really good, could definitely win the Super Bowl, but I think there's just a tier below. And to me, the Chiefs offensively are just so much better than any other team that even though their defense is it's, – it's solid. It, it's a good defense. Um, I just don't know if, with their offense being so good, if any of the other defenses in the AFC can really match their offense as being a step above the Chiefs. So, like, the Chiefs' offense is going to be a step above other teams' offenses. I don't know if there's a defense that can just be a step above the Chiefs and really carry them over uh, the Chiefs. I know you might disagree with that, thinking that you think the Bills would have the chance because their offense can keep up. I just I just don't see it. I mean, Tyreek Hill is playing so well lately. Um, Kelsey is having another great season. Watkins was playing well, and then he got injured. But even with the injury, Mahomes is, is slinging around. They're doing fine. Watkins will be back. McCole Hardman will be there. Like, they just have so many weapons. And then Clyde Edwards is hilarious. Their first-round pick has really been stepping it up. He had a touchdown last week. And then, oh, yeah, Le'Veon Bell, they signed, and he, he's going to be a weapon there. I just don't know if anyone can just can really stop that offense. And I think their defense is good enough with Chris Jones up front. They got Honey Badger and some other guys in that secondary. I just think they're, the, they're, they're a really solid team, and I just, don't, I just don't see any team. I mean, I just got to go with the probabilities here that they're going to get to the Super Bowl again uh, in the AFC. Uh, meanwhile, in the NFC, I think the, the NFC is, is so hard, and I will get into it a little bit uh, after, with uh, seeing what happened in the Saints-Buccaneers game, but I, it's just so spread out that there's not one dominant team. To me, it could be the Seahawks, it could be the Packers, it could be the Saints, it could be the Bucs, uh, it could be all these teams, and 
like I just don't trust any of them and I don't feel good about picking any of them. Um, so someone's going to have to prove it to me over the second half of the season, who's going to be that team to step up. Um, but right now I probably have to go with um, the Packers as well. Um, just because Aaron Rodgers is, I mean, he's just so motivated uh, with, you know, them drafting Jordan Love. He still doesn't have the weapons and then get anyone on their trade deadline. I think he's just so motivated to get back uh, to the Super Bowl. Um, and we've seen that defense, you know, play well. And they're just, like, they're solid. And I don't think any other team really is, is killing it on the defense. So they have a solid defense. Rodgers has something to prove. And Devontae Adams has just been going off, like, every game. They don't even have anyone else to throw to. Like, they don't have any other wide receivers they can really throw to. It doesn't even matter because Devontae Adams is always open. He's always catching touchdowns. I don't know how and no one can stop him, but that's just how it is. And if that connection can stay strong, I'll take Packers uh, versus Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Yeah, the the Devontae Adams story is one that is always, to me, like, I see both sides. Like, I understand why he's so dominant and gets the yards because he's their only other – he's their only receiver. The only other guy you really can talk about is Valdez Scantling. But then on the flip side of that, when you're game planning, you're like, listen, you know Rodgers is going to go to Devontae 10 to 15 times a game, maybe even more if the run game's not working. So we need two guys with eyes on him at all times. But he still is breaking 100 yards almost every game. Uh, But people forget, like, the Packers, they were a win away from the Super Bowl last year, if I remember correctly. And so they're not some team that is all of a sudden Rodgers is just out of the blue – leading this team they were a win away from the Super Bowl last year so they're a team that certainly can get there and if that wasn't motivation enough that he was a win away from reaching the Super Bowl then in the first round you draft a quarterback okay now there's pressure on Rodgers and he's going to perform oh and then the trade deadline passes let's give him zero more weapons at the trade deadline and in all honesty either way so we agree on Rodgers and the Packers I really think that a Bills-Packers and or Chiefs-Packers Super Bowl would be explosive. I think it would be high-scoring and arguably one of the more entertaining Super Bowls that we've ever seen in our lifetime, if you ask me. I don't know about you, but I think that the Packers right now are the best team in the NFC, and I think that they'll get there if they continue to perform how they are. So I just want to – I'm curious what you think. Like you said, you were kind of hesitant on picking a team. Say that the Packers get there against the Chiefs, do you think that you would you give Rodgers a chance against him, or do you think the Chiefs are going to get there? And if they play the Packers, Mahomes will have like the game of his life, and it won't be, you know, comp- as competitive as people may think. I mean, I think it'll be competitive. I, I think I think it's a Super Bowl. You know, any team has a chance. Um, but I, I just don't really see anyone beating the Chiefs. I just think they're going to have a bad game. Mahomes hasn't really had a bad game yet, um, and that I think the offense is too good. And the Packers defense, well, it's solid. They gave, they gave some pieces last year, uh, Preston Smith, uh, Zedaria Smith, and they're still there. And they, they've, so they tried to rebuild that defense and a lot solid. I just don't think it's really stopping the Chiefs. Um, and I think that in a shootout, that Mahomes would have the, the edge. Yeah, but that Super Bowl matchup, if Rodgers gets to Super Bowl, I think he's going to put on the show no matter what. I don't think it'd be a dud. I don't think that Aaron Rodgers is a guy that would make it there and not show up. So no matter – who the Super Bowl matchup is, if the Packers get there and it's Josh Allen or it's Lamar Jackson or it's Patrick Mahomes, the matchup's going to be electric and it's going to be fun. So we're a little bit, you know, you could say halfway through the season, like I said, some teams have had COVID, 
uh, issues, some bye weeks, so the records aren't all the same. But halfway through the NFL season, my MVP pick, Josh Allen, David's MVP pick, Patrick Mahomes, our Super Bowl matchup picks halfway through the season. David's got Chiefs Packers. I've got Bills Packers. So the only thing that we agree on is that the Packers right now, halfway through the season, are looking like the team that's going to come out of the NFC for the Super Bowl. And we, I want to stick with the topic of the NFC because we're here to break down what on earth happened in that Saints-Buccaneers matchup. Drew Brees and Tom Brady squared off for the second time this year already on Sunday night, and the Saints beat the brakes off the Buccaneers, winning 38-3. to Tom Brady had a horrendous game, 209 yards, three interceptions, first time since 2011 that he threw three picks in a game. They ran the ball four times. When you have Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, you don't run the ball four times. Technically, it was five because Blaine Gabbert took a knee for minus one yard, but we're not counting that. Uh, Antonio Brown was out there. I thought a really interesting part about Antonio Brown was that he had 39 snaps, but Bruce Arian said on Antonio Brown that he needs to reduce Antonio Brown's snaps. He had, I believe it was like four catches for 30 yards, something like that. Um, but the Buccaneers just look like a mess. So before I give my take and how I feel about the game, David, I want to let you go first. Just overall, Saints-Buccaneers game, what on earth happened, and why were the Buccaneers so bad? Well, the offense just wasn't there. I mean, there, there's like a bunch of stats that you could pull from the game with Brady, one being it's the first time he's, he's lost both games to his division opponent, uh, which can speak to how good he is or how bad his division was when he was with the Patriots. But we'll get past that. He went three and out on his first four drives. He's never done that before. Um, so that's that's crazy. The Saints defense was just on. Um, he eventually ended up turning the ball over a bunch. They just couldn't get it going. Um, I don't know if Antonio Brown had anything to do with it. It was just another random piece that they're kind of putting in the offense. Uh, we saw that they kind of struggled out of the gate, and then they started to get better and better. And I, my thought was that that was because that the chemistry was getting better. Now you throw in another guy. He played a good majority of the snaps. So maybe that threw him off a little bit. Um, but to me, this is this was a, really a statement game uh, for the Saints because I kind of like lost faith in the Saints. Everyone coming into the year, it was kind of like 49ers and Saints, and then 49ers have just been ravaged by injuries, and the Saints were just kind of disappointing. And then up come the Seahawks, Packers, uh, and the Bucks, and those were kind of like my three teams going in. We already made our, our picks for the Super Bowl, and I took the Packers by, like I said, I think it's very spread out. Um, and those were kind of my three teams. But now with this win, I think it's kind of, this is kind of a statement game for the Saints. They got Michael Thomas back. That obviously helped a lot. Um, and I think the Saints have now put their, themselves into this tier where uh, they can go on a run and get to the Super Bowl. And I think they can, can compete with these other teams. And this is, that's the biggest takeaway from this game is I, and now I'm putting the, the Saints. I think they have a, as good a shot as any team in the NFC to win the Super Bowl, whereas I didn't think that before. And, I mean, part of that has to be Michael Thomas coming back. Uh, he's a big part of that offense. Um, and Breeze is most, most trusted weapon. Um, so that, that's my biggest takeaway. And then, obviously, the Bucs, uh, they just haven't been too strong this season. And I, I really liked them a few weeks ago. They had that big statement win over the Packers. But, I mean, they just haven't been that too strong of a team. And I think they have a chance to, to, make, to go on a run and make the Super Bowl. But they couldn't beat the Bears. They got crushed by the Saints. They lost this. So they've lost the Saints twice. Um, so they're looking a little weaker as a result of this. Yeah, my – my takeaway from this game, and I was just kind of 
as I was watching the game and it kept going on, I feel like I was like a lot of people just sitting back and wondering what on earth is happening. Like we're talking about Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. It can be disputed by a couple people, but I think he's the greatest quarterback of all time. And we're sitting back and watching him throw these passes. You have Leonard Fournette, who, by the way, is capable of having a 1,000-yard season if he's with a team for a full season. He's the workhorse. He can still get a 1,000-yard season. Ronald Jones, who is a slept-on running back, you have those two guys who could both be running back ones on other teams running the ball four times. Like, it wasn't four yards on, like, ten carries. It was literally four rushes. And Leonard Fournette touched the ball once. He ran it one time for zero yards. And it was just mind-boggling to watch a team that has so heavily relied on the run just go away from it and go to Tom Brady, who only had 200, a little over 200 yards and three interceptions, no touchdowns. And I don't want to say that the Antonio Brown signing had an effect on it because he only targeted him five or six times. So I don't want to say that had an effect on it. However, I think that that story is going to get interesting as we go on. The fact that the coach that he needs less snaps, Antonio Brown being the diva that he has been in the past year, I think that's going to develop into its own thing. So for me, the bigger story here is, was this just one game where the play call was terrible, they did everything wrong, they got blown out, and they're going to come back? Or is this going to be the new norm for the Buccaneers where they're trying to go to Brady more and the run game kind of slips off, which it really shouldn't? If we've noticed anything from this season, the run game for the Buccaneers is where the focus needs to be. And so my bigger takeaway was that play call was terrible and they need to go back to the run game. But like you said, the Saints are right there. And if you look at the two teams' records, the Saints are 6-2, and two, the Buccaneers are 6-3. and three. Like they're not, It's not like the Buccaneers have two or three wins and they're out of it. They literally have the same amount of wins, just one more loss. Now, granted, two of those three losses are to the Saints, so you can put the Saints above the Buccaneers in a tier. Um, and the weapons for both teams, for Drew Brees, he's got Alvin Kamara, who I've heard recently a couple of people try to argue him and push him for MVP talks, which it's always going to be hard to beat out a quarterback for MVP talks. But I could see it because I think he's close to, if not already over a thousand yards. And you got Michael Thomas back, which is never going to be a bad thing to get a guy like Michael Thomas back. But I just think that Tom Brady has a lot more weapons. So going back to you, David, the run game, what, what happened? Like, do you think that it was a play call? Do you think that, they wanted to force the ball to Antonio Brown, or do you think that they wanted Brady to see if he could win in the air? Like, what on earth happened? Why did the run game go away? Why do you only run the ball four times when you have two running back ones on your roster? Well, part of the reason was since they got down so early, the Saints were up like 28 nothing in the second quarter. Um, so I, I, they just didn't, didn't run the ball at all, kind of the halfway through the second quarter on. Um, the reason they didn't run the ball in the first quarter at start of the game, I have no clue. I don't know why you wouldn't run the ball because your running game has been so successful and it's been fueling your offense. So I think that this one is, is a lot on Bruce Arians and uh, the play calling was definitely, definitely poor. Um, but this is what I said. I said this a few weeks ago after they, uh, I think it was the show after they beat the Packers. And if, if my prediction comes up, you know, holds up for the rest of the season, like it did in this game, you know, I, I called it. I said after that, after uh, they won, that the the way for them to win is to control the ball with the run, let Brady be more of a game manager than putting the offense on his back, and do it through the running game and the defense. So the defense was really start was really starting to play well 
Um, they have some really good pieces on the defense that started to really come on at the end of last year and into this year. It's been really good. And I said that's the Buccaneers win. They have to stick to the run. They have to do it through Ronald Jones. And that Brady be able to use his greatest strength at this stage in his career, which is his arm, his arm strength. His greatest strength is that he's a great decision maker. He has that great IQ and he's accurate on short and mid-range routes. And that that was the way for them to win, um, which is why this this game really, really, it makes me worried for them um, going into the playoffs just because um, if they do get down, they're going to have to throw their way out of it. And can they do that? I don't know. I don't know if, if they can, if they're versatile enough to win games that way, which is what I was saying a few weeks ago. Um, so it does wor- worry me, uh, certainly, um, if you're a Bucks fan. Uh, and I, again, I think they really have to do it through that run game. Yeah. And I don't want to say it's panic time. I don't feel that like the Buccaneers need to hit the panic button. I think they need to go back, like you said, just go back to what they're good at. Let Brady manage the game and give the ball to your running backs. That's really where they're going to excel and play well. And if anything was indication this past week was clear cut, Tom Brady, he's still playing at a high level, but he's not where he used to be, in my opinion, because if this was Tom Brady of 10 years ago, he's probably going to win that game. He's going to be a little bit more mobile and really put the team on his back. But he's at this point with this roster where they need to run the game and allow him to manage it. The one interception that he threw, I think it was his third one, where he just threw like a jump ball was terrible. Like I didn't see a receiver on the screen. And he just threw it up and it was his third interception of the game. And it was really, it was tough to watch, but on the good for the good news of it, if you're a Saints fan, you're really encouraged by what you're seeing by this team. And if the Buccaneers were to meet the Saints in the playoffs, if you're a Saints fan, you got to love your chances given what you've seen the first two games. Um, so I think that the Saints are definitely a team that you can't obviously count out of the playoff picture. We both picked the Packers to make the Super Bowl halfway through the season, but the Saints are right there with them. Like, in my opinion, you could see a Saints-Packers matchup depending on how seeding plays out in the NFC Championship game, which would be a Breeze-Rogers NFC Championship game. Watch out. That would be one entertaining game. Uh, so for you, before we move on, do you think it's necessarily panic time for the Buccaneers? Or do you think it's just, let's go back to the run game, we'll be fine? Or is this really – I mean, the other flip side of this, before I get your answer on that, is that the Buccaneers' defense was really ranked, like, high up. Like, they were ranked top five in most of stats so far through this year. Like, they're one of the top defenses and just got torn apart. So do you think that the defense is also a reason to be concerned just overall, the Buccaneers, you think it's time to panic seeing the way that they didn't run the ball and the defense was horrendous? Or do you think it was just one game where everything was just off, the play call was bad, defense had an off night, and they'll be fine? Well, I don't think it's time to panic for this team. I'm not worried about the defense. Uh, the defensive struggles, I think a lot came down to uh, the Saints had a bunch of short fields that game because they were punting and give it, the Saints had a good field position like every drive it seemed. They got some turnovers that put them in good field position. So I'm not really worried about the defense. That defense has shown that it, it's one of the NFL's best. Um, and I think that's just this is just a scenario of one bad game. I, I don't think it's panic mode time because I think you just have to take this game and learn from it, see that it, what didn't work and fix it. And like I said, in the NFC, I don't, I don't see a clear like favor or anything. I think it's really Seahawks, Bucks. Packers uh, and Saints 
and like giving the percentages like I earlier in the show I took the Packers but that's like maybe like 26% and then 25% 25% 24% like I'm really I really think one of these teams has to prove themselves in the second half of the year um the worry thing about the Buccaneers isn't necessarily how the game how the game played out or what happened in the game it's the fact that it's really going to hurt them in the seeding uh picture because they've already lost twice to the saints and i think the saints have like the easiest uh schedule left in the nfl looking through their schedule like it's really easy from here on out so i think this game kind of solidifies that this is the saints division to lose so i think that they have now a really good shot at winning the division and at getting a higher seed than the bucks which could really help them with home field advantage um we'll see how big of a deal that is with how many fans are going to be in the stands in the playoffs but i think that this really hurts while it's not time to panic uh, because of necessarily what happened in the game, I think it really does hurt the Buccaneers uh, in the long run in terms of seeding and where they're going to be um, in the playoffs. Yeah, if you look at the playoff picture today, they had the Buccaneers traveling to Philadelphia to play their first playoff game. And in all honesty, I think that that game would be a lot closer than people would give the Eagles credit for, especially with the way that the Eagles roster is panning out and people coming back. Uh, seeing Tom Brady travel to Philadelphia to play a playoff game would certainly be one that the whole country would have their eyes on for sure. But I want to transition now away from the NFL and talk about the NBA because the draft, we're not talking about the draft. The draft is coming up on Wednesday, but stories are starting to fly around of different players wanting out. And specifically, we're going to be talking about Russell Westbrook now says that he wants out of Houston. For those of you who haven't been tracking the NBA too much since the finals, there hasn't been a ton to report unless you're a Philadelphia fan in terms of signings. I mean, there was Steve Nash going to the Nets as the head coach, but no really player movement stories, I should say, that were of interest. Well, things just got a lot more interesting less than a week out from the draft, which, by the way, like completely blows my mind that the draft is less than a week away. Like I have not done any research, and I used to be a mock draft guy, but this draft is just sneaking up on me. But anyway, Russell Westbrook, James Harden played together last year for the Rockets. They lost in five games to the Lakers in the second round of the playoffs. So obviously it didn't pan out as they wanted it to. But now it's reported that Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston. Um, people are saying that him and Harden didn't really fit. Apparently he had some comments after they lost to the Lakers that some of the players took it as all right. James Harden just did not like what he said. So Russell Wilson won Russell Wilson. Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston. People are trying to figure out where does he go? What team does he sign with? Um, before I get to your point and your take on this, David, here are some stats. Like I say every show, I'm a big stats guy. I love looking at the stats, comparing them, see what's up. His last three seasons in a three-point shooting league, Russell Westbrook has shot less than 30% from three per season, meaning 29% or less from beyond the arc in a league that has now transitioned into a three-point game. However, last year was his third highest scoring season ever, but his assists and his rebounds dropped. Now, he's a guy – you need to be able to shoot threes in this league if you're going to be a guard. Like, it's just – I'm sorry. Very few guys in this league are going to make it not being a three-point shooter, i.e. Ben Simmons, but that's an argument for another day. We'll see how this upcoming season goes. If I'm Russell Westbrook, you, you, you got to go back to what you're good at. He's great at driving. He's explosive. That's his game. Last year, his shooting percentage was his highest ever, believe it or not, at 47% from the 
from the uh, from mid range or just overall his shooting percentage, excuse me, was forty seven percent, which is the highest of his career, which is hilarious considering that people, you know, call him Russell West Brick and saying that he can't shoot. But a lot of that is because he drove to the rim, lay up mid range, stuck with what he's good at. But he did still take more threes than I like. But Russell Westbrook, he wants out of Houston. David, I'll throw it to you. Number one, why do you think he wants out? Number two, where is a guy like Russell Westbrook fit in the league today? Well, he wants out of Houston because it wasn't a good fit, and we all knew it wasn't a good fit, and no one argued that it was a good fit. Um, They had to get rid of Chris Paul. They saw the opportunity to make a big splash. We can turn Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook. We know it's not a great fit. We're matching up Westbrook and Harden. They're two really ball-dominant guys that need the ball. Um, But we'll see how it goes. When you have a chance to get a player like Russell Westbrook, we can take it. You know, Maury likes to make big moves. So they made the move. And after the move, everyone was saying, like, can they fit? Can they fit? And we knew that they couldn't really fit. But it's, it is interesting because there was at a point, and like you said, he had his highest fugal percentage of his career. There was a stretch before COVID where he was tearing it up. And they would put take Harden out, put him in, let him run the offense. And he was having a really good year. And people started to really talk him up. I don't know every game I saw like a Kendrick Perkins tweet saying like, don't forget about Russ. Like he's doing all this great stuff in Houston. And it seemed like it, it, it was kind of working a little bit there, but then after COVID hit, we go into the playoffs. He was really bad in the playoffs. His lack of shooting really hurt them. Um, so he, he just wasn't a great fit. And I think the reason he wants out is because um, he just didn't get the, he doesn't get the ball as much as he would want. Uh, in another offense we know he got the ball a ton in OKC he was a primary ball handler and I think that's the main reason he wants out is that partially maybe he doesn't see you know Houston as a great as a great place for him in winning a championship but I think it's more so the fact that I think he wants to be the primary uh, ball handler on a team he wants to go back to that old role which I think there was a report that came out that said like that's what that's kind of what he that he made it known that he wants to go back to a, a role where he's the primary ball handler and can run an offense. And I think that's really what he's best at. The problem for him is that can Russell Westbrook being your primary guy win you a championship? Probably not. Um, and we've kind of seen that over the years. Um, so I think that he's kind of taking a step uh, into what's best for him. Um, in a in a role perspective, but not necessarily what's best for him on a team's perspective, because I think the, the best chance he has is going somewhere like the Knicks, where he can be that ball dominant guy, uh, but he might not. He's not going to win anything there. Yeah, the thing that for me is so hard about Russell Westbrook is that he's a guy that he needs the ball to dominate. He needs to have the ball in his hands. He needs to drive. He needs to be the top guy for the team. However, he's already shown. When he is the top guy, they're going to maybe get to the playoffs, maybe win a few playoff games. So it's really a tough balance when you go after a guy like Russell Westbrook is that you like him, but you don't necessarily love him. And he wants to be the guy, but if you want to win a championship, he can't be the guy. Like if he were to go to a team like the Lakers, probably the third best player on the team, goes to the Sixers, third best player on the team, goes to the Heat, second, third best player on the team, you know, Jimmy Butler, I'd rather have Jimmy Butler. However, Bam Adebayo, you know, different positions, hard to compare. But he's the kind of guy where I feel like if he's willing to accept his role as not the top guy, but be that third option, fourth option on the team, then we're talking about scary asset and scary Russell Westbrook type atmosphere. However, 
he needs to go to a team that already has three-point shooters. Like, he can't go to a team that needs three-point shooting. He's proven that. If he goes to the Sixers, it'd be a mess. He'd be the third-best player, but the Sixers need three-point shooters. I've seen rumors, like you said, the Knicks. I've seen talks the Heat. Um, I saw a couple people talking up possibly the Clippers, although I don't know how well he would fit in there with Kawhi and Paul George. I've seen him with Paul George before. Um, interesting enough, though, apparently the top team contending for him right now is the Hornets. Uh, he's, you know, I saw that he's the face of the Jordan brand. He's one of like the top guys in the Jordan brand, as we all know, Michael Jordan and the Hornets. Um, I think that the Hornets are a team that he could go there, obviously dominate because the Hornets are not a good team. Could he flip the franchise around? Not necessarily, but I think that he could obviously up their win total. So if you're out there, if you're a GM, David, and you're looking for Russell Westbrook, are you looking for to bring him in to be that guy and dominate the ball? Or are you hoping to have a conversation with him and tell him, listen, like you're going to be the third option, but we still love you to be here and we have a chance at a championship. If you're a GM, would you rather have the ball dominant, let me lead this team, Russell Westbrook, or would you try to talk to him in a sense of, we have a chance with a championship here if you're willing to be the third guy. Yeah, I think that's the that's the question. I think it just depends on the team. I think those are the two options, to be honest. I think that the the best op, the the most likely option for him is that he's going to go to a, a team where he can be that number one guy and he's going to be the number one ball handler, but they're going to be a bad team. I think that's the trade-off. I think the Knicks make the most sense because he could go there. He'd be the guy. He'd be getting all the stats. He'd be like they they make their team around him. And he could be that primary ball handler. Um, and we've seen the Knicks like willing to make a big move. They didn't want a guy, and he would just be a big box office attraction and bring and bring like a player to the Knicks. So I think that that makes a lot of sense. I think, I just think the trade off to that option is that he's going to go to a team that's just not going to be very good. Um, the other option is to make him that second or third guy. And while I think that could work, it probably wouldn't. Which is why if I'm a GM of a team like the Clippers or someone like that, I probably would just stay away. I'm not going to want to give up anything to get him because I don't think he really will bring a team over the top just because he's so hard to fit in to your situation there. Um, We already saw a team, a a contender, try to bring him in and make him that second guy, and it didn't really work. So I I think that he's the more likely option is that he's going to go to a team where he can be the number one guy, but they're just not going to be that good. Yeah, almost go to a team where he can finish his career out maybe get paid a certain amount of money. Obviously, I don't think he's a max player anymore, but get the money that he wants, go somewhere where his family's okay with living and just kind of finish out his career there. The Knicks would be a really interesting choice considering that Kevin Durant is in the division. I think that they would be fun to see butt heads. Um, I think the Nets would destroy the Knicks, however, in a matchup when the Nets are fully healthy. But yeah, seeing him go to the ne- a team like the Knicks, it would definitely attract fans, no doubt, Obviously, COVID reasons, fans might not be allowed there, depending on who can go. But once COVID's over and you have a guy like Russell Westbrook, the fans are going to be there. They're going to want to see him. I think that it would be tough because he would be there, and the Knicks would need to completely, like, rework their whole roster. I think that I think that for Russell Westbrook to go to a team, because he's a, he's a guy who wants to win. Like, he's not – he obviously he loves the stats. He loves the triple-doubles. But you can tell that he wants to win and compete. So I think that in order for him to go to a team like the Knicks – he would have to have almost a commitment from another guy or two, like, hey, us three, I'm going to get traded to the Knicks. You two hit free agency, sign with the Knicks, 
and let's try to do our thing and be competitive in the division. Um, but still, Russell Westbrook is someone that you love him and you hate him because you love watching him and you love his explosiveness and his ability to finish at the rim, his intensity. But there's just something about him where it's like, why can't he get to that next level? His three-point shooting, why can't he shoot better? And so it's almost like a love-hate relationship with Russell Westbrook. I know that you that you tend to lean towards the loving of Russell Westbrook. So if you're right now making a prediction, we have the draft in in less than a week. We have free agency starting 10 days from now. Obviously, things are getting good. If you had to make a prediction right now for Russell Westbrook, where do you see him playing next season? Yeah, like I said, I think it's the Knicks. I think that makes the most sense because I think that there's pros on Westbrook's side and the Knicks side. Uh, Westbrook gets to go to somewhere where he can be that number one guy. And the Knicks get a you know, player to bring them some stability. And like you said, like if, if they get Westbrook, they're going to have to rebuild around them. They, are, they have to rebuild around something. They're already in a full rebuild. Like they can't get much worse than they are right now. I think if you bring in Russell Westbrook, you get, you get some hype for your team, some stability there. And you can use that for the next one, two years, and then maybe build around him, bring in another free agent, and at least make your team a team that can make the sixth or seventh seed for a few years at, while Westbrook's still a really good player. And at, like, at least make your team respectable. Uh, because them going from like the worst team in the league all the way up to the best has not worked out. Like they wanted Kevin Durant, they want all these guys. Well, guess what? No one wants to go to your team because they're they're bad. Don't have a lot, like a ton of assets. They have a bad owner. Um, and so I, I think that that's that's going to be where he goes, just because there are pros on both sides. Yeah. So before we close out the show in the segment, Nick, say so say that he says. I want to go to the Knicks. Knicks say we want you. What do you think realistically the Knicks have to give up? Like, what is Russell Westbrook's value? Like, do you do they have to give up a first round pick and like a Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson kind of deal, like a players and some picks? Do you think it could be as much as like take you know future first and three future seconds, or do you think it could be like we'll take Russell Westbrook, we'll send you Alfred Payton, R.J. Barrett, like some player thing. What do you think realistically is the value on the trade market if he wants to go to the Knicks? Yeah, I think if he said like he wanted to go to the Knicks, I think the Knicks would would definitely go out and just get him and and give up what they would have to. Uh, what I would think for the Knicks, I think they would say, we're not giving up Barrett. We're not giving up Mitchell Robinson. Take whatever other guys you want. So if you want Kevin Knox, you can have him. If you want Frank, Nitlakina, um, or whatever you say his name, if you want this guy, this guy, you can have him, and then maybe they throw some picks in. Hopefully they wouldn't have – I don't know if a first-round pick from the Knicks would be enough or would be if Russell Westbrook is valuable enough to take a first-round pick back. Um, but I think you would really kind of say, we have some young players here. You can't have Barrett, Camus, Robinson. You can have some of these young players and some picks, hopefully more some a bunch of second-rounders. Maybe you have to give a protected first or something like that. Yeah, this is – a. The NBA, it's, it's coming up on us quickly. Like I said, we have the draft on Wednesday, free agency starting in 10 days, um, eight days from now. So starting next Friday is when teams can kind of start to negotiate and free agents can kind of think where they want to go. But the actual signing day is 10 days from now. So next week's show could be a lot more NBA focused in terms of draft results, free agency rumors. I'm looking forward to it because the NBA season is coming up us on us quickly. Before we close out the show, like we do every week, I want to give you Bushy's best bets. 
Last week, your boy went 3-0 and on his picks. So I'm rolling. I'm feeling really good about my picks after going 3-0. I'm back at you with three more for this weekend. First pick, David, like we always do, I want to get your thoughts on each of the picks real quickly. First pick, Bills are actually two and a half dogs to the Cardinals, according to FanDuel, which I don't really understand, but they're two and a half dogs to Cardinals. I'll take them to cover that. I think they'll probably win the game. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like that bet a lot. I saw that too. I was a little surprised that the Cardinals were favored by two and a half. They have the home field advantage, and that's usually like three points. You you give it, you might give a team for home field advantage. So Vegas kind of sees it as a toss-up as who's the better team. I, I think it's the Bills. Yeah, no doubt. Second one, I picked the Raiders last week. They did me well. I'm picking them again. Four and a half point favorites against the Broncos. I think they'll cover that. I think the Raiders are a dark horse team to make the playoffs and a team that could potentially make noise if they get all the way to their full potential. They're favored by four and a half. I think that they'll cover that. What do you think? Yeah, I like that bet too. Uh, I think that this is the better team that they should be able to cover and get five plus points. And now this, I thought that a couple of the picks, you know, were tough. I think that this week's lines were pretty hard to pick. My last one is Vikings are two and a half point favorites against the Bears. The record doesn't show it, but man, is Dalvin Cook arguably the best running back right now? He's on a hot streak. Vikings are favored by two and a half. I have them to cover that against the Bears. You think they'll be able to cover that or no? Yeah, Dalvin Cook touched on in every game so far. He's a beast. I think the Bears are definitely just aren't that good, even though they're right. They have a winning record, and the Vikings just started to come on late. The Vikings have a chance at that at that last playoff spot, so I think they'll keep rolling, and they need this game more than the Bears. Yeah, that that's one records might not show, but that is a game to keep your eye on. That Vikings Bears game is an interesting game to watch out. So, like always, these are the lines from FanDuel Thursday, November twelfth. Like I always say, lines are subject to change. They could, but on Thursday, November twelfth, those are the lines. Through FanDuel, not a sponsor. Make sure that you're picking. If you're going to pick games, pick responsibly. But those are my three bets for the week. I think that I'm going to go 3-0 again. Last week was my hot chick. I think I really want to go 6-0 in two straight weeks. But I want to thank you guys for joining us once again, whether you're on Spotify or iHeartRadio. David, thanks again for hopping on. I know that um, the audio, you know, we've had some technical difficulties with Wi-Fi because we're doing this over Zoom. We're doing our best. We're recording it, putting it out Thursday nights. So I want to thank you guys again for giving us a listen. If you haven't subscribed for notifications from Spotify or iHeartRadio, feel free to do so when we upload a new podcast. We always, you know, appreciate the support. If you like the logo, by the way, check it out. We got a new logo. The old logo, bonfire.com slash bushy baller brand, you know, mugs, hats, t-shirts, sweatshirts, hop on there. They got the logo on there. You can buy gear for the bushy baller brand podcast but i want to thank you guys for joining us and we'll be back next week 